Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. I'm Mark Dolan and this is Headliners, your first look at tomorrow's papers. Tonight in the company of two brilliant comedians, David Lewis making his glorious second return to Headliners and Headliners legend, Nick Dixon. Shouldn't have said legend, that puts his wages up. <laughs> Let's have a look at tomorrow's front pages. And Faye, where shall we start? Okay, let's have a look at the Daily Mail front page. And it's the most awful story, I'm afraid. And it's about this attack on Salman Rushdie. Rushdie stabbed up to 15 times. So Salman Rushdie was undergoing emergency surgery last night after being stabbed in the neck on stage in America. I'll get full reaction from Nick and David on that shortly. Next up, the Telegraph, Rushdie stabbed a literary festival. Also, uh, drought officially declared in England after driest July since 1935. Blimey, 1976. Eat your heart out. The Guardian next, Rushdie stabbed on stage at an event in New York. Author was attacked by masked man as he prepared to give a lecture, flown by helicopter to hospital and attacker arrested. Uh, also, The Guardian running with that drought story. Drought declared in many areas as crops start to fail. Water companies urge to introduce immediate hosepipe bans in England to protect agriculture. FT now and debt payment and welfare bill set to soar. Servicing costs tipped to hit 95 billion. New prime minister faces a public finance crunch. Also, Rushdie stabbed. Satanic versus author attacked 33 years after the fatwa. The Mirror next. Drought until the autumn, say the Daily Mirror. 21 million facing a hosepipe ban. And Rushdie stabbed, author attacked in US 33 years after Iran fatwa for writing the satanic verses. The Express have the same story, Salman Rushdie stabbed in frenzied attack on stage. Uh, they're claiming he was stabbed up to 15 times, although we're hearing on the news wires he was certainly stabbed once in the neck and once in the abdomen, but we'll bring you more as we get it. And last but not least, the Daily Star. Um, Rushdie stabbed 10 times, say the star, but they've also got levity because they are the star. Unexpected good news as drought hits Britain. Nice beavers, say the Daily Star. As reservoirs and rivers run dry, boffins reveal the furry favourite that is the beaver could be the answer to our problems. Rivers which are home to magnificent beavers are less likely to dry up, according to the National Trust. And those are your front pages. And Nick, uh, let's kick off with a story that we really don't want to be talking about. A great author attacked on stage in New York, Salman Rushdie. Yeah, it's horrific. Uh, Salman Rushdie stabbed on stage at New York event in The Guardian. And we just had the update that, that the alleged attacker is Hadi Matar, 24, from Fairview, New Jersey. So I was just talking to some younger colleagues about this, and they, they didn't really even know who Salman Rushdie was. But for, for us, it was like a, a huge thing growing up. We knew he'd had this fatwa in 1989 from Khomeini. 
and it got upped in, in 2012, the, the bounty money from $2.8 million to $3.3 million. And Russia used to have very ext sort of extensive security. I don't know if it relaxed the security or what. It's, it's, it's horrific. And I do think, not that I'm saying it's a direct cause, but I do think it's a, it, that our culture has become very soft on a, two things, on free speech and on Islamic extremism. You know, the, the left used to rally around Rushdie and it was this liberal free speech cause. And you don't hear as much about that anymore. So I do think symbolically, like, it, this is like where we are, that, you know, this, this could happen. Anyway, and, and, this and, and also we had the David Ames stabbing recently. David uh, Ames, and then of course, uh, we have the Batley Grammar school teacher hounded out oh, of yeah. his job, still in hiding. Uh, I believe yeah. he's got a wife and four kids. Uh, he's not able to be a teacher because he showed controversial materials to a class uh, in a media studies lesson about uh, religious tolerance. And this guy is still in fear of his life. Yeah, and, and obviously Charlie Hebdo as well. So, yeah, yeah I don't know what more you can it's say. Very, it's, yeah, I would, yeah, I mean, I follow on. It's very, very shocking, regardless of, of any particular motive that may come out over the next few hours uh, and days. And I agree with you, going back to when I was growing up, I don't know if you'll be the same age, but, you know, that was one of my first memories. Nick, Nick someone... looks a lot older than he actually is. Does he? Yeah, is he's he had like, a very hard life. Is he life. like a 19-year-old? Well, what it is, he's had a hard is. life and 12 years of crystal meth aren't great for the health. But, <laughs> take um, your word for it. But no, but yeah, I you're similar. We're all a similar generation. We remember yeah. that story. I, remember, and I, 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 remember. I mean, I'll be honest Thinking with you. Thinking, how is this possible? And he was in, in hiding and then yeah. he came out I didn't read the book because it looked boring, but the bottom line is it's important that these people can write these books because we have free speech in Mid, this country. Well, yeah, and look, Midnight's Children won, what was it, the book of the bookers? There's no question, you know, clearly... Not really that either, I also uh, look boring. An amazing, I know. We were talking about schools as well. Clearly we should have studied harder before uh, we did this. Um, An awful, awful, awful tragedy. Um, let's see. And, and look, I hope he makes a, a recovery and um, brutal, really quite brutal. Yes, indeed. And I, I wonder, David, whether this is sort of wider. And of course, you know, we cannot put two and two together and, and, and speculate no. about what, what may have happened. This could have been a random frenzied attack. It could be related to the satanic verses. Uh, but there is a wider theme touched on by Nick, which is uh, protection of artists. You know, whether it's musicians. I uh, look, I at, look at how J.K. Rowling has been hounded I by agree. trans activists for pointing out basic facts of human biology. Now, admittedly, that uh, what she said could be offensive to some, sure. but she's entitled to say it. And yet she's had security because sure. of those comments. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, there's no fatwa on her. But I mean, what sort I find unofficial so... Unofficial fatwa, I suppose, it? in a way. I mean, what, I suppose what is so awful is if this does turn out, and it really is, you know, only sort of conjecture, but if it mm. does turn out to be causal from 33 years ago, it just seems particularly grim uh, that it would take so long for it to happen from that moment. I mean, there is there no way back from that time, even though the fact that I've been rescinded and you think he could live a relatively normal life. He was public. He had a wife that, you know, was uh, around too. It's, uh, it, yeah, look, it's, it's very, very grim. Does it, does it um, play on your mind, you're both brilliant comedians, uh, when you go on stage that what you say could get you in trouble? Did you feel the culture or the mood has changed a little bit? Look, I mean, I think in terms of comedy, very differently than this. Mm. A very different act of violence, not comparable to this, to be clear, was at the Oscars when, you know, someone was attacked for saying something, you know, when Chris yeah. Rock was, was, 
was punched in the face. Uh, and I have seen a couple of things on the circuit since which have been hairier that wouldn't have existed before. So there is, I don't know if that's your experience, but uh, um, I'm semi-retired from the live circuit, but I, I have been warned on this show, well, on this show, my dad has very kindly said that I might want to be careful about some things I say. Some colleagues have said- I think that ship has passed. Yeah, I know. Some <laughs> colleagues have advised me not to say certain things, but unfortunately I just have to go with my conscience. And if you believe in God, you know, you, I can't possibly go against my conscience and what I believe the truth is. So I'll never do that. So, and yeah, it, it, but it, you do occasionally think, is it risky? Uh, let me reassure you, you are a baby-faced handsome devil, Nick Dixon. Thank you. Just in case uh, you decide to uh, punish me for my last comments. Uh, Saturday's Telegraph now, and here's another sign of the end of times, Nick. This time drought. It's all very... Biblical, isn't it? I uh, know, it's a very, another unfortunate story, but you know, not as bad as the last one, but it's still very bad. Supermarket rations bottled water as a... Yes, sorry, That's I read bad it. bad news for middle-class people, isn't it? Yes, basically, they've rationed bottled water as drought declared across half of England. And so, I mean, we've had plague in the form of COVID. We've had war, of course. Now we've got drought. I'm just waiting for pestilence. When's that coming? And this is a bit like the Didn't whole... we have that, that a couple of years ago? When was that? Was that... Well, is, that is that not another... Was that, yeah, that, when those locusts exactly. landed on you? Um, <laughs> Anyway, it's saying eight of England's 14 environment agency areas moved into drought status and Aldi in Harringay, oh, that's my borough, has put up signs telling customers they should only purchase five single water bottles each while the limit for multi-packs was three per person. Three multi-packs, still quite a lot of water. The thing is, I always used to drink tap water up north because we had clean water. You can't always trust the water in London, so you might want to drink bottled water. But yeah, it, Cumbria, Cumbrian water, apart from farmers' wee, is actually very good, It's incredible. It? It's, it, it's got life-giving problems. <laughs> Um, it's, it's like something out of Lord of the Rings. But, but now, yeah, so it's a bit like the toilet paper thing when everyone went mental about that. They're now going to go mental about water, which is a bit scary because it's water, although you can for now still get it out of your tap. The, the conspiratorial part of me, let's just throw it in there, thinks maybe this is them getting as used to rationing. You know, they want to get as used to meat tax, eat the bugs, no, don't have water next. But, um, and I, I do sometimes wonder, lastly, in this country, what are we doing with all our water? I mean, I come from the lakes, which has the highest rainfall in England, but I sometimes think we're, we've had a little bit of hot weather and all, all the water's just gone. And we are an island. I know. This is true. Where's all this water going? I mean, if we're running out of this trouble, I think that uh, Africa's in trouble. Imagine where else, where else it would be. Um, it, it does sort of make me nostalgic, this story, for the days of people buying 57. Um, you know, toilet rolls uh, yeah, at the start course. of the first lockdown. I mean, how many can you eat, to be honest with you, is the question. <laughs> but I just sort of want to go back to your original point, and I would say to you, please, while I'm here, don't slag off the middle classes, would you? Sir? No, I know. I realised that was very triggering for it you. It was. Very uh, what are you, you and your people going <laughs> to do without, without Evian and Perrier? It's, it's going to be... Well, I mean, from what I can understand uh, exactly... Um, there are availabilities of the uh, Italian uh, version of Evian, which is uh, very tasty, which the San Pellegrino? name escapes me. Yes, very good. Very good indeed. That's I just out-middle-classed you. You've out-middle-classed me right there, so it's all good. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't believe this is sort of near to where I lived before, and uh, people buying... But this is the problem with these stories, is that you start with it, you start just mentioning it, and then all of a sudden, you then have to go out and buy, you know, 17 metric tonnes of water, or everyone else is going to buy it before you. So it's sort of... The uh, joke uh, uh, then becomes serious, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you're washing yourself with seven up. Which yeah, is well, do, you know what, do you know what I think is, is very, if you run out of water, try Budweiser. It's a very similar consistency. You think so? Yeah. Just a fizzy version. A lot of, a lot of hydration. Um, have you 
become mindful, David, of yeah. water since since the country dried out a bit. Has, has it changed your habits at all? It has a little bit. Uh, I have a, a small bit of grass outside uh, of where I live, uh, which is a long-winded way of saying garden, a tiny one. Uh, and I've stopped watering I thought you were it. boasting I've got a small bit of grass. Listen, I know you're in the entertainment business. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. It's you actually know. an even bigger boast. He has a garden. <laughs> I've, n I've never seen the, the, the like of that. What's that, having a garden? Having a garden, yeah, I don't have one. I'm not at I mean, your level. When I say garden, the state of it now, it does look a bit sort of like the sort of scorched earth policy of sort of like the Sahara meets sort of, I don't know, the end times of Terminator 2. I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't look great. Stop watering it. It's gone feral. Uh, let's see where we are. So you're watering it's, the garden less. Have you any, anything, either of you, problem. in terms of, are you showering less or giving up brushing your teeth? I, I was not really onto this until I saw this story and I suddenly thought, oh, I should have bought a load of water today because now everyone's seen the story. It's going to be gone tomorrow. I bet when I go in yeah. Sainsbury's tomorrow, it's all gone. Yeah. That, now, then I'll be aware of it. Yeah. And then I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I tell you what, I've stopped doing. Showering's stopped. indulgent, by the way. Well, so, I mean, I always have, so... Yeah, That's me. Um, the showering is one. I, I've I've stopped running the water whilst brushing my teeth, which I realise is really? the most insanely stupid thing you can do anyway, at the best of times. Okay. We should be allowed to do that, though. And, and sort of when you go to Europe and stuff, you don't do that, in certain, depending on the water quality in certain countries. But we should, as English people, be allowed to run the water, you know, wastefully, I believe. Uh, Mrs Dolan has suggested that we stop flushing the toilet to save wow. water. The problem is her ablutions are... Yeah. Full yeah. on. Needs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure I don't know what she eats, but oh boy. Is that the, ele the 11th plague? And I'm bit. sure she'll be happy you've raised that on national TV. Absolutely. Let me tell you. It lingers, Absolutely. let me tell you, it lingers. <laughs> now, uh, Saturday's <laughs> Independent next, and the UK's economic woes continue. By the way, I promise you we've got good news coming, but we are, uh, we are dealing with an yes. attack on a great author. We've got the droughts, and the economy is... Uh, it's also in the toilet. Tell it's us awful. more, yes, David. Yes, the perfect segue from uh, your wife's movements to the British economy. Uh, UK economy shrinks in second quarter, uh, sharpening recession fears. This is uh, in the independent. United Kingdom's economy shrank in the three months to June. Figures released on Friday have shown in perhaps the least shocking news uh, of 2022. Mm. Uh, GDP has fallen by 0.1% between April and June, and it was 0.8% growth the previous quarter. Uh, it's not looking great, let's be honest. This is the start of potentially a slippery slope. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think we should all take all the work. Uh, it comes whilst we get it, to be honest with you. Uh, there's been some quite interesting quotes that have come out of it that, to pick apart, I think. Uh, this from the ONS Director of Economic Statistics. What a job that must be. Uh, many retailers have had a tough quarter. Well done, Sherlock. Uh, these were partially offset by growth in hotels, bars, hairdressers and outdoor events uh, across the quarter, partly as a result of the celebrations of the platy-jubes. So the cool. Queen celebrating 70 years on the crown has helped sustain the economy. Who knew that was a thing? Uh, analysts are saying that it doesn't necessarily mean the start of a recession. Those people presumably are incredibly optimistic and see uh, this very much as a half full glass of water. Uh, but... Uh, general consensus is we are heading into choppy waters. So um, yeah. Yeah. buckle up. But what we could just do is do what Biden's done and just change the definition of recession. 
you know, that's, that's how they handled it. Recession used to mean, you know, two quarters of economic contraction in a row, but then they changed it in America. Like, no, no, there's all sorts of other definitions, man. Because even the independent is saying it's often defined as that. That's what it used to be until... Sorry to just bring in my anti-Biden rhetoric. Well, no, you're right. Lately, this, is a, this is a... What does he say? Pure it's... disinformation. What does, he, what does he say? Well, they challenged... The, the White House challenged the idea America's in recession, even though they've had two quarters of negative growth, which yeah. is uh, has been the commonly accepted definition yeah. of a recession across yeah. the the Western world for 50 years. Mm-hmm. But hey, different rules for old Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think that Joe Biden back in the news saying that America has had zero inflation for the last month. Did oh, yeah, that? I saw that because it was at 8.5 and hasn't grown again in the last month. So they said, yeah, we've got zero inflation. Like, yes, if you change the measurement from a year to a month, amazing. I would amazing. say that if you wanted to do stand-up comedy and you had t- only two, year, uh, two periods, uh, two quarters of uh, economic loss, that wouldn't be bad. That's <laughs> a great year. Just two. Uh, that, you're basically Michael McIntyre, aren't you? Me, huh? uh, look, if we can, <laughs> let's power through a few more before the break. Saturday's Guardian brings us a story about the FBI and Donald Trump. So uh, tell us more about this, Nick, because it's been big all week. Yeah, FBI searched Trump's Mar-a-Lago home for classified nuclear weapons documents. This from the Guardian. And apparently they were looking for Secret documents about nuclear weapons. The Washington Post has, has, has said this, so that's obviously trustworthy lol. Um, they've cited people familiar with the investigation saying nuclear weapons documents were thought to be in the trove. The FBI was hunting at Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. And uh, my friend said the other day he should have stuck um, the files from Hunter Biden's laptop in, in his house in Mar-a-Lago. Then they would discover them and maybe they'd be released. But anyway, Trump hit back on Truth Social. He says he's encouraging the release of documents. He says release the documents now. He's got nothing to hide. He pointed out Obama kept 33 million pages of documents, much of them classified. How many of them pertain to nu- nuclear? Word is lots. So that's what Trump said. He said they could have it any time they wanted. So... We, we, we need to, I don't know what this nuclear fear is. The codes are changed uh, every day in many cases. It takes something like, I think it's 42 separate operatives to actually set these things in motion. I don't, they think Trump's launching nukes from the golf course in Florida. But it's a very strange event. His lawyers had to, were told to look at the walls. All the cameras were turned off. So it's, it's all a bit dodgy. The Dems know they can't win on numbers anymore. They haven't got the numbers. They're losing key demographics. So... A cynic would say they're doing everything they can to shut Trump down ahead of the next election. And I just want to read out this tweet from Twitter, uh, Twitter Safety, saying, starting today, we'll begin enforcing the civic integrity policy in context of the US 2022 midterms. This means we'll take action against misleading claims about the voting process, misleading content intended to intimidate or dissuade people from participating in an election. I thought that was quite ironic because they're actually currently trying to intimidate and dissuade a former president from participating in an election. And that's my take on that. Nicely done. That's a slam dunk. Well, before the break, let's squeeze this one in Saturday's mirror. And with the Tory leadership race dragging on, Liz Truss continues to promise a war against woke Whitehall. David? Yes, I thought I might get this story. Liz Truss slammed for claiming, quote, uh, woke civil service and, end quote again, strays into anti-Semitism. Um... Liz Truss has sparked an angry backlash after claiming, quote, woke culture in the civil service, strays into anti-Semitism. The claims were contained in a press release from her campaign uh, in which, sorry, I love to preempt the cringing, uh, in which Miss Truss also praised, quote, Jewish values uh, such as setting up your own business. Now, I would say to you that if you are trying to get my lot on board, uh, stereotyping, saying they're set, very good at setting up businesses is not potentially the best way. Uh, me, I don't actually have a business. Uh, I am doing the open mic circuit. So by definition, does that make me a bad Jew? Although don't forget you control all of the media. So clearly, you know, clearly. 
swings that's and roundabouts. That's why I'm here. Absolutely right. I'm dressing down because I don't want to stand out as someone who so is you clearly think, in this control could be of it. Considered quite in its, in its own right, quite offensive. Actually, it's, do you know what? It, uh, funnily enough, I think it is, and I think what I've been reading on Twitter today mm. is that people are a bit confused by it because there's some Jewish people who've been working at the civil service saying, "Hang on a second, I don't know what she's talking about. I quite like working here, and everyone seems very friendly, and there's not a sniff of anti-Semitism at all." And then the editor of the Jewish Chronicle, I saw also on Twitter, uh, was saying he was confused by it, and it's completely bewildering. Uh, Hugo Rifkin too said the attack on woke culture was uh, baffling uh, and grim. But uh, listen, we're going to be, well, who isn't going to be dragged into some sort of culture war? Uh, but Liz Truss speaking at a Manchester synagogue trying to get new voters, uh, saying that you lot are good at setting up your businesses. That's why you should vote Conservative is not perhaps the best way to do it. No, it sounds to me like a very regrettable turn of phrase. Yes. And I think she, she, uh, she really should have thought twice on that one. I'm Mark Dolan, and you're watching Headliners, your first look at tomorrow's papers. Tonight, in the company of the hugely talented comedian David Lewis and the equally talented and devastatingly handsome Nick Dixon. Uh, let's talk now about the NHS Saturday's Mail. And uh, I'm afraid it looks like a strike, David. Tell me Potentially, more. Potentially, yes. Daily Mail tomorrow. Junior doctors in strike ballot strike ballot threat over... Was, I thought you were swearing there. I say it myself. Hello, uh, family show. Acceptable. 2% pay offer rise. Junior doctors will strike again unless the government hands them uh, a bigger pay rise uh, than they've been offered. So the BMA is, cause, is calling for a rise of up to 26%. So I'm like, you know, listen, I love the NHS. I do anything to protect it. But lads... 26%, that is something next level. This follows an unacceptable pay increase of just 2% for junior doctors. Now, as junior doctors' pay gets done, as you sort of go down through their hours, I've mm. seen that you can, if you are sort of mid-level uh, in a fast food restaurant, for the same amount of pay, you are paid the same as a junior doctor. The pay for junior doctors is pretty feeble. They're trying to get some more. Uh, they're just at loggerheads with the government. Uh, presumably, they're not going to get any more uh, than they're hoping for. And it sort of opened up some interesting... Um, some interesting sort of data about it. In a BMA, British Medical Association, uh, survey of junior doctors, 83% uh, said this year's 2% uh, pay award was completely unacceptable. So they're going to be jumping in. 72% said they would be prepared to take industrial action if the government did not commit to full pay restoration. So I support them. It's sort of, you know, you sort of wince to think what would happen uh, if there was a sort of, do they just down tools in the middle of sort of, you know, a colonoscopy or something like that and say, you know what, 12 p.m., we're off. Sorry. Make well, look, I, I hear you. I mean, my feeling about the, the, these uh, wage demands is that NHS frontline workers deserve it. 100%. I, th I think the cops, cops deserve it as well, 100%. by the way. They've had nothing for about 100%. a decade. Um, we know that the courts are, have got the most shocking backlog and therefore yep. um, actually, uh, you know, lawyers, solicitors, barristers, they, they, they could do with a bump as well. Everybody needs a pay rise. But the issue we've got is two things, yep. isn't it? Inflation plus um, we, we've got a deficit. So at the moment, even day-to-day -day spending comes from borrowing. So what are you going to do? 100%. So I mean, 2%. Do you, do, you borrow, do you borrow money to give people more money, which is then potentially inflationary? Absolutely. Debt is huge, clearly. But a 2% pay rise is essentially akin to saying we want you to work for 10% less. 
if inflation is where it is over this year. So if you're getting a 2% pay rise, you get your... You so know. what would you do? Your Prime Minister, never say never, uh, you oh, give them... I probably what, would five, say never to that. Five, never say never six, generally. 7%? I think that there are people in society that you have to bend over backwards more than anyone else or as much well, as anyone else. he knows about else. people like that, but that's another story. Absolutely. And so you think, you think there down. are categories of workers, I, like, like probably, frontline NHS staff, who, I, who extra deserving? I, I would say so. But maybe, you know, a man who wears a lionfish T-shirt should not necessarily be asked for their opinion uh, politically. But I would say, yes, there are some people in our society uh, who you would throw a protective ring around and junior doctors very much would be those people. Now, although Nick Dixon is uh, very, very, very well dressed, he's quite sartorially elegant, clothes horse of headliners. I must credit you for that shirt. <laughs> Um, Thank you. Is that was that a kind of Black Friday purchase or what's the story? No, no, no. I'm just very. Bought it today. Yeah, no. I'm. You just... know what it screams to me? It screams TK Maxx. Uh, and sadly, I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to name brands on here, but I can't argue with you. It is, in fact, TK Maxx on Oxford Street. So thank you very much. You, you can see he's still got the label in at the back. Yeah. TK Maxx, the store where everything's on sale. Because then you can still take uh, it back. That's a, if you're smart, you keep the label in, wear it for one headline, take it back. I took a punt. So. Every time I saw the show before, there was always someone in a very colourful shirt. And tonight, you've both come as packs. Say so someone. I, I've you ruined Leo, it. But yeah. <laughs> Too right. Too right. Uh, brilliant stuff. We'll look at The Guardian next. And as we all feel the pinch due to the cost of living, it seems like some habits die hard, Nick. Yeah, UK gambling firm's revenue falls, but cost of living crisis not deterring punters. So Paddy Power, Betfair, William Hill have reported a plunge in revenues, but they're blaming these safer gambling initiatives. There's, there's these £10 limits on slot machines and there's uh, mandatory deposit limits for customers under 25. So it's actually not the cost of living crisis. In fact, people are still gambling. And it's quite sad in a way because it's, it's a sort of uh, desperate attempt to make some money in these hard times. And what are you going to do? You can't save unless interest rates go way up. You, everything costs more, as we've discussed. So what are you going to do? You're going to take a punt and try and just, you know, win a load of money. Well, and I've gambled sure. briefly once, actually. I've, I never gambled. Then one day I was ill. I had like a flu. And I, and I heard a podcast and someone was talking about gambling and how he made loads of money. And I thought I could do that. So I suddenly went online and started uh, applying this gambling method called the Martingale system. And suddenly I was up like thousands. I was, I was, wow. I made, I was up to like 8,000. I made like 6,000 profit in a few days. Then I started losing it all. And I went like, oh, this is gambling. And I got this f terrible feeling in my stomach of, of fear and despair. And I realized this is gambling. And I still came out with a slight profit. Okay. But kids, I never gamble again because it doesn't work, ultimately. Yeah. I wasn't going to tell that story, but I was suddenly no. moved to full, tell uh, it. Full disclosure, I gamble every time I order fish at Nando's. Now, <laughs> let's, uh, let's crack on with our next story. And Saturday's Express, the Scots want to relive their Eurovision glory, the years of Lulu, David. Now, you wouldn't even know who Lulu they is. They do. I absolutely do know who that is. Uh, Express, yes, you'll fill the arena with EU flags. Sturgeon sparks backlash after Glasgow Eurovision claims. So Nicola Sturgeon has sparked a, what's called a furious backlash, uh, which is one of the, Express, the Express's favourite uh, quotes, I think. Uh, from anti-Scottish independence yeah. uh, supporters after claiming the 2023 Eurovision contest should be held in Glasgow. So they are going for it, uh, along with uh, a number of other cities, Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, Newcastle, Sheffield. London is not going to be in it. I don't know if you're a fan of Eurovision. L well, I love Eurovision. I think London gets enough. London probably... I think share the love. London probably does get enough. Uh, so it's not going to be here, but it's going to be one of those places. But Glasgow wants it. They just had uh, COP26. They can clearly put on a very nice show uh, if they need to or host a lot of people from a lot of different countries. But um, 
Nicholas Sturgeon clearly is a, um, well, it depends who you read, um, economically uh, savvy or a Ramona, depending on who you uh, listen to. But the thing about her, right, is that, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll give you that she doesn't think that Brexit was a good idea and she'll bring us, or she'll bring Scotland back into uh, the EU should should uh, Scotland become independent. Mm. Uh, but the bottom line is that what we really know about this woman is that she's a great political operator and she knows how to politicise anything and she's just doing it again. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. I mean, they would probably I mean, say she's exactly a wi She's a wind-up merchant, isn't she? Don't that, you think? Perhaps, I mean, they would... Trolling. I imagine they would say something similar about Boris at, at COP26 to play yeah. devil's advocate, oh, but sure. I imagine that uh, it was good. And some of, the, some of the Twitter quotes coming in, I just think are exceptional. Uh, Simon, uh, it Win. doesn't matter his name, yeah, Simon wins his name, raged on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, and here he, and he tweeted, so you can pack out the arena with EU flag-waving Ramonas and turn it into a political event. Uh, no thanks. And can I just say, I checked his bio. He calls himself a centrist. Wow. So even the centrists are enraged. Oh, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Wow, she's really touched everyone's back. Do you, do you think she's an astute economic analyst and a great stateswoman, <laughs> uh, uh, or is she a wind-up merchant? Uh, oh, you, is it? I thought you were joking. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's the latter, Mark. I mean, look, I'm, you know, if they really want to leave Scotland, it's up to them. The weird thing is they want to still be in the EU. I find it all very strange. I think of myself as English, not British anyway, so I'm not that bothered. But I follow Liz Truss's advice, ignore Nicola Sturgeon. The only thing I will add is they should have it in Glasgow if the proclaimers are going to do the entry, because that would be amazing. That would to be, be fair, I don't think we agree on your argument, but I would absolutely agree with that final point. Thank if you. they could do it, and presumably My the furthest... was broken. Yeah, this is like TP Gold. No, it's good. Well, I was just thinking that probably the furthest EU <laughs> I thought you were going to join in and we'd be like up the proclaimer. It would have been very good. All I could think was that the furthest EU countries have come from about 500 miles. So that would be nice. useful for them. That's uh, what I can Nick think. Dixon, voice of an angel. Thank you. I just need a second one of me and uh, us both Sorry. to be Scottish. Yeah. Uh, briefly, Liz Truss, she made headlines by saying okay. that Nicola Sturgeon should just be ignored. Mm. Uh, was that a smart thing to say? Was that well, a top banter or was it a little ham-fisted? If you know? actually looked into it, Nicola Sturgeon has said a very similar thing about someone else a while ago. So it was very much the same level of, of discourse that Sturgeon had used, even though people were pretended to be outraged. So I think it was perfectly fine. But it's the kind of thing you say in a leadership contest when you're trying to win over the what, Tory is members. Is it like throwing them red meat? It is. There's been a lot of red meat in this uh, leadership. But let, let's see how much of it actually gets turned into actual state. Rishi, by the way, he's turned into a bit of a vegan, hasn't he? Is that right? Yeah, well, at least metaphorically. I mean... Is, is goose is cooked, isn't it, old Rishi Sunak? You can tell it is, because the other day he said, I don't care if I lose, I'd rather do that than lying. So he's already defaulted to yeah, yeah. losing is the real win, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Does he get a... It's, briefly, we must move on, but yeah. David and yeah, Nick, yeah, yeah, David, yeah. You, uh, does, he, does Sunak get a job in... Well, does he get an offer of a job in Liz Truss's cabinet, and does he take it? That is a good question. <laughs> It's sort of a bit Millibandy in a way, if you could argue. You know, he's, he's done such a high-level job. Does he want to do it again? You know, when David Miliband didn't win in 2010, it, it was sort of that sort of similar uh, ilk. I don't think he will take it. Look, he's been Chancellor. What's he, he's, he'll just want to sit on the back benches, bide his time, and, you know, there'll potentially be another leader in 2024. 
Well, well we'll yeah. See. I mean, we'll that's a re see. really interesting point. If, so, if the Tories lose the next election, all bets are off. Yeah. But, but what do you think? Does he take a job in Truss's cabinet? Well, I've heard people saying you know, he might just go off to America and do some totally different role. I think he could potentially stay. I think they've, they've, everyone's saying, oh, they've been so nasty to each other. It hasn't been that bad. It hasn't I been think, that bad. I think he could potentially stay on. I mean, no worse. There's been no Republican The only thing is, you, you, can't, you wouldn't really make him a chancellor again. You'd always be a little worried he was going to do what he did to Boris. If you were Liz Truss, you're thinking, will he, will he give me the old knife? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. And he starts a new website, which is still ready for Rishi. What about like ready for Rishi, the revenge? That would yeah, be yeah, the next it. one. Rishi so it could be yeah, the only sequel that was better than the original. <laughs> He hopes. Saturday's Times, which uh, brings us to a story about the dangers of not background checking your football sponsorship. Nick. Yeah, Barnsley cancelled shirt sponsorship deal with Hex.com over offensive tweets. So this was kind of the crypto world meeting the football world, and it was never going to go that well. I mean, so Richard Hart is the founder of Hex. He's a very interesting guy. And he's actually been unfairly attacked here, at least in his part of it, because people are calling it homophobic. But he actually did a tweet that was a critique of Saudi Arabia's policy towards gay people and you read if you read the tweet it very clearly was um, so he was he's been complaining today like I've actually made a point that's pro-gay rights and I'm being attacked where it gets a bit more complicated is there, there are people who are thanked by hex.com's Brent Morrissey for brokering the deal and their tweets do seem to be worse but I don't know how how much they're involved because they only brokered the deal so it may be overblown, but it's, it seems to be... But they've cancelled it anyway because, you know, it's not worth the, the bad PR. And, it, you know, it, it, the edgy libertarian world of crypto, online edgy libertarian meeting the woke world of football, you know, it's never going to go that well. It wasn't going to go great, was it? Uh, let's have a look now at this next story, which is a fascinating one. And it's in The Times. Last week's news said pigs could cure death. This week it's <laughs> blindness. David. Uh, listen, that pigs could cure death is one hell of a headline, but this isn't too far behind. Uh, cornea implants uh, from pigs offer cure for blindness. Says the Times, I'm repeating it. Uh, I'm going to lead in uh, with some stats here. An estimated 12.7 million people worldwide are blind because of damaged corneas, but only one in 70 patients receives a cornea transplant. Now, a pilot study, this implant made from collagen protein from the animal. Collagen, I was thinking that rings a bell. And that's the stuff that, you know, you see a lot of people on reality TV with like lips all puckered up. Is that right? Yes, I got the exactly right one. Right. Collagen there you is go. used as a filler. Uh, what um, is collagen? Is it that. sort of cells or something? I think that is what it is. Well, it's, it's, bio, it's a bioengineered implant, I believe. Anyway, so they've used collagen protein from the animal and restored the vision to 20 people with diseased corneas. According to the study, the operations were free from complications. The tissues healed quickly uh, and uh, with normal transplants, uh, it takes several years. This was much, much quicker. So the future is here and the future is porcine or porcine? I never know how it's pronounced. Oh, there you go. Porcine. There's one of those. Porcine. 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 I think it probably <laughs> is. Um, and any, any ethical questions there for you, David, about stripping organs off animals? Uh, I mean, I hope one day I'd never have to worry about this particular one. I don't know. I mean, look, the reality is if people need corneas, if there's a way to farm them that's not too brutal, I mean, you know, it's not for anyone who would ever eat meat to start having a particular moral quandary about something like this. Uh, uh, yeah, brutal. I think I think you're right. Uh, full disclosure: a friend of mine had uh, corneal implants from from a pig, and uh, she's much better at finding truffles now. So I said, "How's it been? How's it been with the, the new eyes?" She said, uh, "Oink oink," which 
I think it's code for uh, it's going really well, thanks. I like how you double down on that joke. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not letting it go. I don't go down oh, without a fight. Goodness. I presented Balls of Steel, don't forget. Uh, welcome back to Headliners, your first look at tomorrow's papers. Tonight in the company of the highly talented comedian David Lewis, making his second of many appearances here on Headliners. And a very old friend of mine we've never got on, Nick Dixon. <laughs> How dare you? I thought we did. Uh, it's basically a kind of... It's a, an acquaintance thing. It's like, hi, hi, Nick. <sighs> like that. Do you know what I mean? Ships in the night, I did say ships. Is that why I'm sat in the middle? <laughs> you are, you're playing Gooseberry. And you're gonna do that with Prince Andrew now because uh, Saturday's Mirror uh, is covering Prince Andrew, who I'd forgotten all about, Nick, but uh, he's No, he's around. back, he's back. Guess who's back? Well, it's Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew to keep taxpayer-funded police bodyguards after security review. So he's been stripped of his military affiliations and royal patronages. And yet we will still pay between two and three million pounds a year to uh, protect him. And it says here as well, with the exception of horse riding and frequently visiting the Queen, it's not known how he currently fills his time. Maybe we don't want to know. But I would say, in all seriousness, if he's been stripped of his titles, we're really just paying three million to protect some dodgy bloke. And I would seriously say, why don't we pay to protect people like Salman Rushdie instead? That would be a much better use of money. Yeah, money well spent. Uh, I don't know, I can't imagine it's much fun rattling around the palace, but it sounds that this will be the fate for Prince Andrew for many years to come, David. I don't know what he is supposed to do. He's lost, yeah, all his patronages back to the Queen. He can't, I mean, look, he even put that tweet out or uh, an Instagram message about his time as a fighter helicopter pilot in the Falklands on the 40th anniversary of the Falklands and then deleted the Instagram post afterwards because people said you shouldn't comment on anything ever again. So that's sort of his life is momentarily commenting on something mm. and then deleting it immediately when there's some uproar uh, somewhere on social media. So I don't know what you can do rattling around uh, that big house, uh, yeah, to be honest go. with you. How do you solve a problem like Prince Andrew? Yeah. Uh, moving on now, uh, and this is in The Telegraph, and it's actually related to the monarchy as well. Uh, David, tell me. Well, more. very loosely, let me say that to you. Uh, Telegraph has their dream story, I believe, today, and I am the one lucky enough to read it out, which is Elizabeth I may have been non-binary claims. Shakespeare's Globe. Uh, academics working for the theatre have cast doubt on the gender identity of one of uh, England's greatest queens. Now, remember, of course, that she is sort of the, I don't know how to put it, Chamberlain or Churchill, I suppose, more of her day. 1588, face of invasion. The Spanish are on their way. The Armada is coming up the Thames almost. And she says, I know I have the body, but of a weak and feeble woman. Uh, but I have the heart and stomach of a king. Now... Uh, actually Nick Dixon's catchphrase, isn't it? <laughs> Don't take a word for it. Is that what you're semi-retired? Oh, I have, you know, I have everything of a king. Um, she's now been presented uh, in an essay uh, by uh, Shakespeare's Globe. Um, as uh, It refers to her in the gender neutral uh, uh, pronouns of they and them, uh, which I thought was uh, very interesting indeed. Uh, the essay defends Shakespeare's Globes, announcing the new... Uh, and it all comes off the back of, as well, Joan of Arc. This, there's a new play uh, called I, Joan, in which Joan of Arc herself is presented uh, as non-binary, uh, also given the pronouns they, them. Um, I think it sort of is a story that is absolutely... 
I didn't know how to put it, hilarious or uh, something a bit more uh, serious than that. But uh, I love the fact that you are given a different pronoun by the Telegraph, uh, or at least the Telegraph will report it, uh, just for saying that you are tough as bricks, to be honest with you, which is what she did. So, uh, yeah, well... I don't say good luck to her. I mean, look, I think Nick's going to be against this. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't know why. I, I don't quite know what my position man. is. I haven't quite made up my mind. Oh. I think my position is just like, what a great story. There must have been, as they were writing that, as the paper was going to the stone, thinking, how can we get uh, someone in a colourful yeah. shirt on headliners aggrieved? And I have a lot to say on it. I'm waiting for Mark to allow me to. Well, do it, do it. Sir so Nick of Dixon. Because I'm going to scorch it. the Knock whole... yourself out. And you know well, what? What we're going to do now, David and I, we're going to go and get a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I mean, it's absurd. I mean, they, they, apparently the fact that Queen Elizabeth had the heart and stomach of a king is enough to make her non-binary. That, that's absurd. The essay says um, from Dr. Kit Hyam that uh, while living and working among men, it may, may not just have felt like gendered defiance. It may have had a profound impact on their sense of self. Well, the word may is doing an awful lot of work there to retroactively claim people are non-binary. It follows the Joan of Arc thing who wore trousers and went into battle, but also wore men's clothes partly to avoid rape in prison. And also there was a thing where they tried to make her wear men's clothes in prison because that would go against her agreement, which would mean she could be executed. So that doesn't make her non-binary either. And there's been attacks on this kind of thing from feminists, gender critical feminists, etc., saying it's misogynist. I disagree with that. I think even though the outcome might be misogynist in, of these kinds of things, because you end up with biological men taking over from women, I don't think it actually is misogynist. I think it's the, the woke ideology moving through its hierarchy of oppression, just tearing through it. So you start off attacking men, especially straight white men. Then you move to women, because after all, you know, they could be straight and white and they're not gay. Then you move to gay people who are not trans. And that's what happens. So that's what I believe is happening. So that's why you know, so-called women are being erased. It might end up misogynist, but I don't think that's the root cause. But yeah, sorry for fair taking enough. that story very seriously. And, uh, you know, David it's thought it was a lighthearted not, story. So, listen, it's fair <laughs> enough. I think the, the bottom line for me was if I didn't wear this tonight, I was going to wear a rough and cod piece. Uh, so this sort of speaks to my Elizabethan sense. You had me so. at rough and cod piece. Uh, <laughs> David, uh, before we move on, I think some females will be offended at the idea that, you know, this great figure, this great female figure of history like Joan of Arc or indeed Elizabeth yeah, I yeah. is now sort of cancelled as a female. So, oh no, well, women, you, you can't have Elizabeth I, you can't have Joan of Arc, I'm afraid, uh, because they, yeah. they, they could have been gender neutral. Uh, I think a lot of women won't like this. They will feel cancelled. What's next? Uh, do we go back and say Emmeline Pankhurst, who's the woman who campaigned for female suffrage, she wasn't actually a woman either. Do you understand no, where I, some of these I, gender critical I, feminists I, are coming I, from? I, I, I do. And, and I dare say people, if they would like to be offended by it, are perfectly entitled uh, to feel uh, offended by it. But to my mind, I don't... I look at this story, and this is maybe the difference, is that I can't help but look at this story as if it's like a very, very early uh, April fall, uh, to think to somehow weave together what potentially was a puff piece uh, for Shakespeare's Globe, knowing full well that it would rattle uh, some people. People, uh, and get them talking. I, I, I don't know, but, but the Globe uh, have been very proud of it. They put out these tweets saying we, we're calling, we're using they them pronouns for Joan of Arc. People have done it. We're not the first. We won't be the last. They are the ones making a big thing of it, aren't they? Although 100%. isn't that the point about theatre though? That it's all fantasy, and therefore what they're doing is just playing around with genders. I mean, you 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 know, actually Joan of Arc has been gender neutral in the past, or even male. No. Played. I think Joan of Arc was played played by uh, a man in the 1930s. Yeah. Uh, in the West End. But there you go, look, uh, w that one will run and run, of course it will. Uh, the Daily Mail next with a story about fat shaming in our children's literature. Nick. 
Yet visitors to Thomas the Tank Engine attraction told not to use the name the Fat Controller because it's a slur and call him Sir Topham Hat instead, which is apparently his real name and is also quite amusing. This was a family day out at Watercrest Line Railway in Hampshire, which took an unusual turn when a staff member requested that they refer to the Fat Controller by his real name. One father told the son, we were talking about the Fat Controller when a staff member stepped in. In no uncertain terms, we were told no one could use such a slur. So, bit silly. Uh, this is the kind of thing people who don't watch GB News think we talk about all day, by the way. And we are addressing it here. But what I don't get is, the Fat Controller is in control. It's body positivity. It's empowering. He's in control. It's f the fat. It's even tied with the fat. He's fat. The Fat Controller. I mean, it's, 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 to me, that's practically body positivity. So I don't. I don't see the issue. And of course, he's an icon, as it says here. He was iconic as a as a kid, and they're trying to take away the icon from us. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder, David. I mean, he's the controller, and he's fat. What's the problem? I mean, probably what he eats, I imagine, and lack of exercise. Very carby, yeah. Very, lack of, I mean, if, he, if he's on train food the whole time, going up and down Sandwiches, eating... Sandwiches, mm. Toasted, yeah, cheese and ham, paninis, all so, the way up and down. And he's a boss, it's so you good. can just get them free. Yeah, just yeah. Just pick what he wants off the trolley. Yeah, of course. Hot chocolate, Outrage. probably hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. Full fat hot chocolate, no yeah. wonder he is. I mean, I just think of 80s cartoons I used to watch when I was growing up. It was him uh, or He-Man, and they gave very, very different approaches uh, of what masculinity was, to be honest with you. Well, you've slid us, David, nicely into uh, Disney and the Marvel Universe. Uh, this in... I can assure life. you that was not deliberate, but it, I'll take Look it. You, you you're, uh, you're better than you realise. No. Which is uh, not, not something I've ever suffered from. But very good. Uh, story in the Times. Uh, the Marvel film Thor, Love and Thunder banned, uh, it says here in Malaysia, over potential uh, LGBT content. The new film in the Marvel franchise will not be screened in cinemas in Malaysia, but may be available to stream on services outside the country. So what's happened is um, there was a, uh, a gay uh, scene, it, it, which is sort of a bit of a strange thing to say, but um, a scene in which the government objects constitutes a minor part of the film. Uh, in one of the scenes, a uh, Valkyrie, a uh, female character, briefly takes an interest in the concubine of Zeus. Uh, in, another, in another scene, Valkyrie and Korg have a short discussion about romance, where Korg explicitly says that he has two dads uh, and that his species is conceived when two Cronin men hold hands over a lava pit. Are you following this? this I am, yeah, yeah. Is how I'm, you I'm have ready kids. for the song in a second. This is how you have kids. So this has upset uh, some elements, I imagine, in uh, conservative places, wherever they choose to be. Uh, what I like about this story particularly, and, I, and props to this guy for coming on, the Malaysian Deputy uh, Communications and Multimedia Minister, now that's a job, uh, has come out uh, and defended the position, uh, saying that the film did not pass censorship, uh, and he said uh, the film touched on LGBT, but we see right now there are many films with LGBT ele uh, elements that slip past the censorship, which I thought was a bit of a double entendre almost, but I don't sense that was deliberate. Yeah, for sure. That's a fascinating story. Well, uh, let's move on now to the Daily Mail. And Nick, I'm told you had a big gym session earlier, so you might be able to <laughs> talk about this one in, in great... Great detail. I believe Richard told you that. Have you um, got a pump going on at the moment? Well, the problem is, my, I'm, very, I'm very strong at the moment. I'm also a touch overweight, so now I need to do that cutting phase again, and it's all very miserable and hard after 35. But, I don't think Which I don't overweight. have to face, because I'm only really 28. I, I, what? You, look, you look ripped to me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm jacked, but I'm not ripped. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's, it's a different... Um, so this is how... Like you're about to be towed I, away. I know, I'm just laughing at my own absurd description. So... <laughs> I mean, I did. I, it's, this is how testosterone can make men more loving. Hormone promotes cuddling and not just aggression study claims. So 
basically they injected uh, testosterone into male gerbils just for a laugh at the weekend and, um, and found out how they behave with their partners. And it turned out that it gave them more friendly behavior and positive social interactions and it influences oxytocin, the so-called love hormone, but they don't know why. But you see, the thing is, this is not surprising because testosterone improves mood in general. You know, there's been a war on testosterone. The Guardian have written articles against testosterone. People think it's just all about aggression, but actually it just improves mood. It reduces things like various illnesses. So it's just good for you in general. And it's, and it's good that um, they're testing on gerbils to find out more about it. It's just nice to have a positive testosterone story and mine was tested recently and yes it was quite high well, of course it was obviously we, we learn that every time you're on headliners uh, saturday's telegraph next let's talk vegans david yes uh telegraph restaurant scraps plant-based dishes after becoming fed up with quote holier than thou vegans the isle of wight uh, cafe defended itself against nasty and bullying vegans who were furious that their diet wasn't catered for so this is a story uh, about a cafe an eatery somewhere in the isle of wight that has you used to do um, vegan options, I believe, uh, and then stopped doing them. Uh, and it's now come in for a lot of criticism. Uh, and they've gone out to say, having been called bullying and nasty for not serving up food critics, uh, that they've hit back saying, if you want vegan food, go to a vegan restaurant, which clearly uh, has not gone down very well. Um, they are calling uh, the um, those vegan people, some of them who are angry about them stopping doing vegan food, uh, a militant minority that spoilt it for the majority. Uh, so, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's one of these stories where if you start trolling a restaurant online and the restaurant hits back and there's a spat, all of a sudden that does sort of become uh, a good story. But who knew there were vegans on the Isle of Wight? I yeah, that's, that. that is the reason. I don't say that in judgment, positively or negatively, but uh, who knew? So uh, if you want to get a good vegan food, I can tell you where not to go, uh, as opposed to where to go, because they're not doing it's it. It's funny though, David, briefly, how, how we just decide, we're divisive on everything, aren't we now? Even what you eat is tribal. It is unbelievable, actually, uh, to be honest with you. I have a diet which consists of all manner of things, uh, and veganism is uh, not something that I have, I mean, I eat vegan food every so often, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't ever say that me eating something is a political statement. No, anymore. this is exactly When it. I, you know, tuck into a sandwich from a garage uh, after a gig, I'm not necessarily, yeah. you know, militant up the workers You'll be or whatever. You'll the egg mayonnaise tonight, I've got no Absolutely. doubt. Courtesy of Shell and Jamie Oliver. Nick? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the, the owner says if, if, he, if he went to a vegan restaurant and asked for a steak, he wouldn't get one, nor would he expect it. Seems very reasonable. My dad's a chef. Very it, while you were trying to accommodate people, especially if it's medical, a medical reason, it, it's very frustrating people coming in and wanting to be a completely different restaurant from what you are when there's plenty of options anyway. I completely agree. Uh, really briefly, only a few seconds, but oh. uh, sad news in Edinburgh Zoo. Yeah, world's oldest... No, it wasn't a visit from Nicola Sturgeon, by the way. <laughs> <World's> <laughs> Scared oldest, the animals. World's oldest north, northern rock hopper penguin killed by fox at Edinburgh Zoo. This is Mrs. Woolowitz, a 35-year-old uh, penguin, which was double the life expectancy you would expect. And the Edinburgh Zoo tweeted that her... That's Nicola Sturgeon. Her massive... Oh, there you go, cool hair. Says her massive personality will be missed. Bit of an exaggeration, maybe. It's a penguin, but it is very sad. There you go. Uh, a pair of foxes we've had tonight... The brilliant, marvellous Nick Dixon. David smashed it as well. Come back and see us soon. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.